You're listening to All The Gear, a National Club Golfer podcast. times have you been in a club fitting and you're not quite getting the performance out of the golf ball that you'd like? Well you'll be pleased to know it's a very simple fix. So for this episode of the All The Gear podcast from NCG I spoke to Mike Fox, Director of Golf Ball and Accessories at TaylorMade, to learn about everything we're getting right and wrong when it comes to choosing which balls we use. In the wide-ranging interview we also cover their new lineup including Tommy Fleetwood's move to TaylorMade, why the change of master states was really scary for manufacturers, and how Dustin Johnson and Rory McIlroy proved to be a huge influence on which gear their fellow pros were using. There's also an incredible story about the man who spends 10 grand a year on golf balls. Yeah, that needs to be heard to be believed. Golf balls. Exactly. First, if I just wanted to start with like a simple recap of the two key player characteristics between the TP5 and the TP5X for someone who's maybe not like explored that golf ball before. Yep. So the, the first thing I talk about is priority. So it's really, are you looking for a golf ball that maximizes distance or one that's a little more focused around uh, control around the green or spin around the green? Um, TP5X is designed to be our longest and our fastest product, and TP5 is designed to be our second longest and fastest product, but with uh, more spin from inside 100 yards. So that, that's from a performance characteristic, how we design it from a player characteristic. I mean, that really does just come down to how you, you know, what your benefits are. Um, the easiest way to break it down is typically on spin um, and feel. So spin, TP5 is going to spin a touch more across the board uh, than TP5X. So it'll have maybe 100 RPMs more driver spin, a few hundred RPMs more iron spin, and about 1,000 RPMs more wedge spin. So if you're someone that's looking for a lower spin product, TP5X is the golf ball. If you're someone that's looking for a higher spin product across the board, then TP5 is your product. What's your split like between the TP5 and the X model generally? Yeah, so that's a that's a great question. On tour and uh, as far as sales. Well, both really. Yeah. Okay. So it's been really interesting. So starting in 2017, when we first launched five and five X, we were 70% TB five X and 30% TB five. Um, 2019, that went to 60/40 TB five X to TB five, and in 2020, it was pretty darn near 50/50. So what's happened is as our golf ball business has gotten more successful, well, let me start. When we first launched TP5 and 5X, the first group of players that we picked up were typically your better players, um, your zero to 10 handicaps, which lean a little bit closer to the X product than the TP5 product because better players, they only care about performance and when we were still a newer ball brand back in 2017, they said, hey, this ball is really good. You know, I, what do I care you know, what ball it is? 
So we got a lot of those players early. And then as the years passed over, you had the influence from the, you know, the pyramid coming down. So you had your zero to 10 handicappers influencing your 10 to 20 handicappers that typically are more your pro V1 or your TP5 player. So over the years, as our business continued to grow, we've picked up more of the TP5 golfers to where we've gotten almost to a 50-50 split um, as far as sales. So that for us has been a really good indicator just how much validation we now have in the marketplace, what type of golfers buying it. You know, this isn't just your better players. This really has become everybody. So that, that's our sales in the marketplace. Um, as far as on tour, again, we had a 50-50 split um, on tour in 2020 between guys using 5, 5X on the PGA Tour and European Tours. Um, however, amongst our top um, six players, uh, DJ, Rom, Day, Rory, Rose, uh, Ricky, and um, sure, I'm skipping one. They were actually almost all in TP5, Colin Morkow, Matt Wolf, there it is. Um, they were all in TP5 except for DJ, who was in TP5X. So if you look at our entire tour snapshot, we had a 50-50 split. But if you look at our top seven, eight guys, they were all on TP5. And the reason for that was twofold. Um, in 2019, uh, when Tiger won the Masters, um, there was a huge influence on spinnier golf balls and working it more, um, as well as Rory McIlroy switched to TP5 first. It was a major influence in the game. And he was focusing on his wedge game at the time, and that's really what he wanted to bother align with that. So um, we had, with Tiger and Rory, two of the most influential guys on tour, we had a huge shift of our players into TP5 um, at the top of the pyramid. So while we had a 50-50 split, really amongst our top seven, eight players, it was uh, you know 85% in TP5 and you know, one guy in TP5X. That guy happened to be Dustin Johnson, but even DJ – tried the TP5 golf ball for two weeks out at Riviera and another event. But what's really interesting is now we've switched to 2021 and we have all those guys now moving back into TP5X. So Rory, Ricky, um, Sergio um, have all moved back into TP5X. DJ stayed in TP5X and Kyle Morkow and Matt Wolf have stayed in TP5, but the big one, and then Fleetwood as well. Fleetwood was a Pro V1 guy who's now moved into TP5X. So we've seen the shift to TP5X, and there's really a couple of reasons for it, or at least a couple of reasons we've, we've heard from it. The first one is um, DJ is now the big influential player out there. He's the number one player in the world. He's dominating. What ball is he using? He's using the TP5X. So the guys think, okay, let me think about this. There's also, as you know, with the Bryson DeChambeau and the, the ball speed, Chases, the guys, are they want to play the fastest product out there, which is the TP5X product. So while in 19, Tiger created this spin kind of trend, DJ and Bryson created this ball speed trend, and the guys are kind of falling into that. Um, in addition, probably the last piece is we've increased the greenside spin on our TP5X product. It's where those guys now really trust it. In particular, they can hit this kind of low checker that they struggled with the prior generations that would slide up the club face. So now that they have that shot within this new golf ball and it's the fastest product and that's really what the trend is happening at, we've seen more guys moving with TP5X than we have uh, prior. That's mad to think that. And when, obviously, they're doing a lot of fitting, say, like, around about now where there's new clubs coming out and new golf ball, 
Which is the one that they tend to fit to like first, or what's the order of like fitting? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. So normally they try and fit golf ball first. Um, they really like to fit golf ball in the October, November timing before they get into club fitting. Um, that's their preferred way of doing it because they know, well, we start from the beginning. The goal for the tour player is to limit variables. If you're changing clubs and ball at the same time, you don't know what's going on. Well, hey, am I getting those numbers from the ball? Am I getting from the club? And it just it makes it a lot more complicated. So normally our players like to um, test the golf balls in October, November timing because they've just gone through a whole season. They know their exact numbers as far as how far I'm hitting it, my flights, my spins. They know everything. So they can change the ball. And they know exactly what's being changed from the golf ball and if they like it or not. Um, because of COVID, because of the, the schedule going into Augusta, we actually weren't able to start testing or switching golf balls until mid-December, um, which was really scary. And originally, um, we were worried that it was going to take months for our players to switch because, to your point, they're now doing club and ball at the exact same time, which really makes it difficult. And they know they needed to do clubs, so they said, hey, I'll do clubs first, and then I'll do ball after that. But that's a dangerous slope. But, you know, without sounding cliche, the ball was so good that the guys all switched immediately. Um, they said, hey, I know exactly what this dude is doing. It's doing exactly what you said. This thing is kind of aligned with what I'm looking for. So um, I'm all in. Um, and this is the fastest transition we've ever had from our athletes. Um, Ricky put it in play. Ricky, Rory, Matt Wolf, Colin Morikawa, um, and then Fleetwood, who I'll get to in a second, all put it in the first event that they teed it up in 2021, whether it was Hawaii, Abu Dhabi, or the desert. Um, so for me, I was incredibly nervous because my sports marketing team and agents were like, yeah, he might not switch to the Masters. And I'm like, oh, no. And I just keep getting all these stories being like, hey, the ball's great. They, you know, they're all in. I'm like, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Fleetwood's story is really interesting because when we had signed him to a contract, he originally it wasn't a ball deal. Um, so we signed him just to a club deal, and he still actually had a contract with Tylus at the time. And he shows up to our photo shoot in November um, for clubs, but we, he knew we wanted him in the golf ball, whether it was this year or next year. So off camera, we watched him go down the line and ask every one of our athletes, Dustin Johnson, Roy McElroy, Ricky Fowler, Matt Wolf, Colin, Colin, he goes, hey, man, how, how's the golf ball? Do you like it? Is it any good? Hey, man, how do you like the golf ball? And, like, you just watched him. He went from guy to guy to guy because we're setting up this big shot and, you know, the Christmas card photo and everything. And every one of them says, hey, this is the best ball out there. you got to play it. And then that next week, he, he got out of his stylist contract. Um, and then, but even getting out of his size contract, he wasn't, he didn't have to switch until the masters. We weren't forcing him to switch because as you know, he's not the guy that's used to switching very often. So the fact that he put the new ball in play his first week out, um, this week and, um, played well with it. And, um, he did an interview with sky sports where he's like, Hey, the ball is really, really great golf ball, which was as good as I could possibly ask for, <laughs> or we could possibly ask for. So yeah, it was a really good start. Late Christmas present. <laughs> yes, exactly. A hundred percent. I was pretty nervous. I knew the ball was good, but I knew the timing wasn't perfect. Um, and then I, you know, Fleetwood, he's just a guy we haven't had experience with and we know he doesn't change very much. I mean, our team has 
metal wood and iron experience with him because they've been working with him for a long time. But he's been using that title of scoff ball for a long time. Um, so it was a, uh, it was a very, it was a good testament to the, how good the product actually was and, and the work that everyone's done. So yeah, it was exciting. Well, like a win. <laughs> yeah. If a consumer was going to go for like a full bag ball, would you still recommend they did ball first as well? Um, that's a great question. So when we fit, we normally do ball first and last. Um, we typically like to start. So it's different because the, the athletes, if, if someone's not changing their clubs at all, um, they should do golf ball first. Um, it's a really good thing to do during the off season before all the new clubs come out. I would recommend they do that. Um, however, it's, you know, it's not normally how it goes. Um, normally they want to get a club fitting and then after they get the clubs, they want to make sure they have the right golf ball. So the, the things that we really encourage them to do is make sure you're getting fit with the golf ball that you, we, they think is right for you at the get go. Cause you know, the spin rates on a golf ball can have as much an impact as almost any shaft out there. People are so concerned with what shaft, but heck, you could have almost a thousand RPMs of spin difference between our product and some of the competitive products out there. And to think you're not going to change that product when you're being fit is, is pretty crazy. So the first thing we say is make sure you're being fit with a golf ball that at least is close to what you think you're going to play. And then once you're all said and done, you should definitely work the golf ball into your fitting. It should be as much a component of your fit as as anything. Um, you know, if someone's spinning their irons too much or too little, if they're spinning your driver too much or too little, if they're launching it too high or not enough, um, and particularly with their wedges. So we definitely want to make sure golf ball is part of the fitting. If you have the luxury of just doing a ball fitting before you do any of your clubs, that's great. But um, realistically, most people go in for a club fit, um, in which case you should definitely make sure you're starting with at least a golf ball that fits you and then really validating at the end. That's just when someone tries to do a fit in with, like, range balls that have, like, no dimples left on them. (laughs) Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? It happens all the time. Um, I mean, it's absolutely incredible um, that people are so concerned with spin rates hitting range balls. It's, It's amazing. So how much difference would there, could there be between like just a bad range ball and like an actual premium product in terms of spin then? So off the driver, so an average range ball is somewhere between 105 and 115 compression. So they're very, very firm. And they're two-piece golf balls. Um, so their cores are very firm as well. So you're talking about cores in the 80s and 90s. You look at a TP55X or any premium golf ball, Chrome Soft, Pro V1X, um, they're typically closer to 85 to 95 compression. So obviously range balls can be much, much firmer. But with the firmer compressions from the premium golf balls, they're all multi-layered, so three, four, five layers. But those core compressions can be much lower. Ours is the lowest at around 15, and you see competitors in the 40 range with the core compressions. So the reason that matters is um, with a softer core or with a softer golf ball in general, the golf ball is going to pancake a little bit or, you know, sit on that club face and exercise. You've seen those videos where the golf ball like completely flattens on the golf club face. That's not real, but it's an exaggeration, but it still happens. You make contact with the club face, the golf ball is going to um, compress a little bit. So that compression, what happens is that golf ball is actually sticking on the face of the club. 
Um, and it's halting the rotation. So since it's compressed, it's not spinning when it's compressed. So what's happening is with that compression, it halts the rotation of the golf ball and it comes off with less spin. With a two-piece firm golf ball, like a range ball, it's basically just bouncing right off with lots of spin. Um, so I, granted, I don't have the exact numbers, but there's no reason that it should be anything less than 500 RPMs of spin difference between a premium tour ball and a range ball, just based on the, the physics of it. So, yeah, I mean, to your point, you see people be like, oh, you're spinning a little too much. Well, you're using a range ball. They're incredibly spinny products. You know, they're also designed not to be lost. People don't want to lose them, so they don't want to go too far. Um, particularly if you're fitting off TrackMan as well, because if the dimple depth is off or you've taken too much paint out of the dimples, the flight's going to be really weird. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a really difficult no-win situation to fit off a range ball. Um, there's just really a lot of variables in there. So you have quite an extensive lineup now of golf balls. Is there any reason for a golfer to choose another ball in the tailor-made range apart from the TP5 and the X, other than on price point? No. If you're taking price point out of it, um, I wouldn't say there's a reason to pick another golf ball out there than 5 and 5X. Um, 5X is our fastest. It's our best performing. It's our best around the green. It's our top performing product. However, if you took, uh, if you're taking price point and handicap out, then TP5 and 5X is the best product. If you start talking about hand, if, but if you put a handicap in there and you have someone that's like a 15, 20, 25 handicap player, you might start considering a different product. Um, only for the reason that what's going to benefit that golfer most is not something they might appreciate as much about the 5 and 5X. But the things that are most important is shared. Um, let me explain to you what I mean. Um, our next product down, we have TP5 and 5X, and then we have our Tour Response product. Tour Response is the same cashier thing cover that we use on our 5 and 5X product. Um, I give this whole line. You've probably heard me give this um, bit before, but there's not a tour player out there, European PGA, LPGA, Champions Tour. There's not a golfer out there making money that's, that's a as a livelihood, it's not using a urethane golf ball. And you make an argument, cash urethane, thermoplastic urethane, that's a deeper conversation, but urethane in general as a cover material is being used by every tour player out there. There's only one product um, at the sub, uh, I think in your region it would be sub 45 quid. Um, there's only one golf ball at this price point that's made out of urethane, and this is the tour response product. So, for every other company out there, and I hope they'd answer it this way, that if you ask Tyler or Callaway or Mizuno or Bridgestone or Strixon the same question, they they should all, with the exception of Tylus that has ABX product, all of the other companies should say unequivocally, no, you should use our premium products. Because we have another golf ball with a urethane cover that every Golf pro in the world, whether you're a club pro or tour pro, tells you is made of a cashier thing material. Um, we have that option of bringing someone down in price if they're, if I'm taking price out, if they're potentially a higher handicap that might not notice all the benefits of the other pieces or someone that really prefers a softer feeling product. So what I would say is if you're a, if you're not as focused on top performance or if you're, more of a mid to high handicap player, but still want 
to maximize your game. Tour Response is a great golf lot for that. Um, I have a guy that I play golf with at this uh, nicer country club, and one of the guys we were playing with, he's a he's a wealthy guy. Um, you know, he drives in the new Tesla X-wing with the thing that pops up, and he's got it all customized. And you can just tell, right? He's an ex-professional athlete that now has some financial job, so he's a, he's a big guy. Um, you know, he's a, he's, a, he's probably six five. I mean, he played um, like a strong position for basketball, so he's, a, he's a, really he's a big guy. Um, but anyway, he's using our tour response product. I've never met the guy before. And he's a good 17 handicap, but the course is really, really difficult. And he hits the long way, but you know, for him, he swings it so hard, his timing's just a little bit off, he's, he's gonna lose it, because the course is, unfortunately, unlike your guys' courses out there, they built a lot of American golf courses, um, to lose a lot of golf balls and to be more, you know, cart friendly, which drives me nuts, but, um, anyway, it, it is the way it is. So, um, I asked him after the round, I'm like, hey, why are you using tour response golf balls? And he goes, well, hey, man, I play five days a week, and I was, and I get to the point where I almost lose a dozen golf balls every time I play. So he's like, and I added up, I spend more, you know, I was using TP5, 5X, Pro V1. I was spending more money in golf balls than I was in country club dues. And I just, I couldn't, I couldn't handle that anymore. <laughs> I'm like, all right, man. You know, because buying twenty dozen golf balls around, and at his country club they sell, you know, TP five five X's for sixty five bucks. Yeah, thirteen hundred dollars a month in, in golf balls. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, you're the perfect guy. He's like, so I saw your commercial. He's like, it's a tour ball for less. So I still get the same look. I get the same feel. Does it go as far? Is it as good as the five? No, but now I'm probably about even in golf ball to do's as far as what I'm spending. I'm like, wow, man, you're, you're great. I want to keep you in the family for a long time because <laughs> you're someone alone that's spending $10,000 a year in golf balls. I'm like, it's great. I don't comprehend that. But anyway, it's a great story because he couldn't do that with any other company. Um, Cause if he went to, um, you know, he's been playing a, a urethane tour caliber golf ball forever. If he went from Pro V1 to Tour Speed, the spin differences are 3,000 RPMs around the green. It's crazy. If he went from from Soft to ERC, same deal. It's just it's too big of a performance difference. But for us, we can go 5x to Tour Response. We still get the same feel around the green. It does. It's low spin, so you get the same type of low spin driver performance. Um, he just gives up a little bit of ball speed and a little bit of iron performance, but. Um, yeah, it was, it's one of my favorite examples. I'm like, you're exactly who we designed this product for. So it, it worked out nicely. So this year you've got like the slightly different way of doing the yellow with the urethane yeah. covering. How hard was it to make like that yellow cover and make it perform like the same as the white one? Yeah. So the, the challenge wasn't as much making the yellow urethane. Um, it was, getting the yellow paint with the yellow urethane underneath it to not look like a range ball. That was actually the most challenging piece. So, well, actually there's two challenging pieces. The challenging first challenging piece was, um, putting the yellow urethane into our supply chain. Cause right now it's very easy. You know, we have three factories in three different countries all over the world 
that share materials. And when you add a new material in there, it complicates the whole system. Um, so that was the first thing that was difficult was storing and sourcing a new material from multiple vendors. So again, that's a logistical challenge, but it was a big one that we had to overcome. And it's part of the reason you don't see other companies doing it is because as soon as you go to your operations team and say, Hey, I want to interject a new material. They say, well, we don't want to do that. I'm like, why? It just makes it so much more complicated. We have to store. We might have extra that we have to throw away. What if we don't have enough? And it, it creates a lot of complications in your supply chain. But for us, it's the right thing to do. So, you know, we did it. The, the challenging piece was actually getting the look right. Um, so when you have a yellow paint on the outside and then a white layer underneath, white is absence of color. So you can make that paint look any way you want. Um, and then, so if you make it, you know, whatever yellow or yellow or green tint that you want to make it, it's going to look exactly that way. Cause it's like, you ever try painting, uh, painting your wall? First you paint it white and then you paint it. If you paint it yellow and then paint yellow over it, or if there was some other color underneath it, um, they would need to match perfectly to get the color pigment that you're looking for. So what was really challenging was when we had a yellow urethane that doesn't have any um, luster to it, putting another yellow over it completely adjusted the shades of yellow that we were trying to deal with. So, it, and uh, on top of that, it also took a lot of the depth out. Um, so it actually took a long time, way longer than we actually ever expected to get the yellow look of paint right, um, to make sure it had that kind of more, um, bright high vis neon look to it versus that kind of dull range ball yellow banana look to it. So that's actually what took the longest. But then to, to your point, once you dial in the paint, the paint is the thing that can have an incredible effect on performance. So um, I actually appreciate the question because we've started to get it more. We spend a lot of time to make sure that there's no difference between the white and yellow paints to where um, we're inside a yard at tour speeds with a driver between the two. We've actually seen upwards of seven yards difference between a yellow painted product and a white painted product because if you're developing a yellow paint, there's so many things as far as viscosity and density of that paint that could affect the dimple depth. And if your spray with that paint is a little too heavy or a little too light or it's a little too heavy as a paint, and you start filling up that dimple, that ball's aerodynamics are going to be terrible and it's going to fall right out of the air. So it takes a lot of research to make sure that you're, you're consistent between your white and yellow. It's actually, if you really want to trace it, you went back um, – I think maybe eight or 10 years ago, it didn't used to be the case. The USGA used to let you just submit one, um, one side stamp for all products. And then what they realized was there's actually a company that um, had a big delta between the two. And they said, okay, this obviously is now a different product. You guys can't control this as tightly as we thought. You now need to submit a side stamp for a white product and a side stamp for a yellow product because Paint, while everyone thinks might be cosmetic, it has a ton to do with performance. So the USGA sees that, and they now need multiple submissions. So things like um, side stamps or um, like our PIX designs or the triple track that they consider an alignment or a cosmetic change, you don't have to submit a new side stamp for it. But paint, because it's so difficult to develop and have similar performance, requires a separate submission for the USGA and the RNA. 
Um, and for me, it's like one of those things where you talk about some of these craft brands, the vices or the smells or the um, clears. These are the things they're not doing. Um, they're not checking these type of deltas between colors. So, um, yeah, it's just it's another big separate between us and, and some of the other companies that might not be checking this closely. But, so, yeah, so not a ton with the urethane, but then consequently kind of all all picks up. How popular are the yellow and the picks compared to the wash? Uh, incredibly popular. So 30% of our business is in non-white product. Um, out of, but, and that's across our entire line. Um, in TP5 and 5X, it's actually higher. Um, uh, just a touch higher, 35% maybe. PIX is that's three times the volume of yellow. Um, and actually, if you look, um, if you have your Golf Data Tech market share report, um, the PIX golf balls are broken out in the UK. And I think our market share in and I can check this in a second if you don't have it or if you want to send me a follow-up. Um, the market share for picks in the UK, I think, is somewhere in like the 3 4% market share, and our white product is somewhere in the 4 5% market share. So, you know, you're making an argument that, I mean, the UK picks is almost as popular as the white product. Um, so they've become incredibly important and popular for our business. That's because so muddy, you need something to stand out. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it helps. I mean, Matt Wolf. So Ricky Fowler obviously helped us co-develop picks last year and Matt Wolf put in play. He went from 45th in the world to 14th in the world and improved his putting inside of six feet by half a shot. I mean, that's a huge difference inside six feet. How many putts was he missing before that? And it's because there's really is a better alignment system within that that's been able to help him. Um, so yeah, I'm sure initially there was a little like, Hey, it looks different. Let me try this thing out. But you know, if we have performance and validation to back it up, it really um, is what's had the staying power that, that allows us to have with this product. I know we you know, we get a little bit of, you know, it's not for everybody, but hey, you get a few more tour players winning with it. Matt Wolf wins a if he, Matt Wolf wins the U.S. Open instead of Bryson this year. I, I guarantee you'd see a lot more people using that fixed product. Okay, one last question on the yeah. distance plus ball alignment you've got the yeah. kind of new cross rather than a typical line yeah. what was the like reason yeah. or research behind this and do you think more people should build it using like alignment tools rather than just a plain ball yeah so I, I don't I apologize I don't have exact data as far as how much you need to be aligned how much better it aligns you um, however um, the we did take a, some insights from our uh, putting team and true path I think it's something like, uh, again, 45% of golfers aren't aimed at the hole from uh, 12 feet. So, and that's only gets higher as you go up in handicap. And really, you know, I, I actually, I ran the putting team or the putter group for three years uh, back when we did white products. And a big part of this was, was twofold. One, making sure you're aimed at your line, and then two, making sure you're rolling it on your line. So that was really what white putters were all about, was making sure you were square to your line. And that's one part of it. The next piece is getting that immediate roll feedback that if you're rolling it on the line, you're looking for. And to have something that helped the golfer with both was really something we wanted to achieve with this alignment piece. So, yeah, it wasn't – so I don't have the exact performance data coming out of it, 
Um, unfortunately, our testing queue is a little high, and putting a distance plus golf ball in that hasn't been top priority. But we did know the challenge, and we do know that alignment features like with Matt Wolf and um, some of the other products have helped golfers in the past. So we wanted to be able to um, to do that with this product as well. Yeah, I work with That's a good question. Let's see if I can sneak a test in there. That's a good one. <laughs> I work with some of the national like girls players over here and honestly, it shocks me sometimes how bad people are at lining the putters up. Yeah, I know. And I mean heck, you even hear DJ, they're like, Hey, that's made a huge difference in this game is having a line on the ball to be able to aim at the hole. It's, it really has helped. Um Yeah, it's it, it yeah, I mean, I know you're a good player. I know you work with those groups. I mean, it really is uh, staggering how how bad some people are at it. Even people you wouldn't think would be as well. I think. <laughs> it's a deep, I mean, DJ wasn't great at it. I mean, it really was a challenge he had. Um, was making sure he was lining up at the ball or at the hole. Must be working now. <laughs> I think he's, he's got it going now. <laughs> Oh, yeah. That's all my questions for now. Thank you for your time. No, Hannah, always a pleasure. All right. Have a great night. You too. Wow. When we started talking, it was light out. Now it's dark. (laughs) I know. All right. Thanks for staying up a little late. I appreciate it. That's fine. Bye. Bye.